Wake up. Alicia Bell is the founder of BLXVC, an angel syndicate of moms mobilizing money for black and brown women entrepreneurs. She's the deal flow lead for Pipeline Angels, a network of women and femmes. Alicia also advises the PayPal Ventures Black Lives Matter Fund and serves on the board for Black Girl Ventures. For more details, go to www.leishabell.com. My name is Constance Slider-Pierre. I am an angel investor. I am a passionate, amazingly driven organizer, a woman who believes in the power to change the spaces and the places in which I inhabit, and to do that through building power and coalition together with all sorts of people who believe in what I believe in. I am a mother, daughter, and spouse, wife. I am passionate about making change in the world and leaving it a better place for my daughters, 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 and for creating wealth and prosperity for myself and for people who look like me all over this country and all over the world. Hello, and welcome to Sisters with Ventures the podcast where we amplify black and brown women who are angel investors. On this show, we will explore what is angel investing, how to become one, and why would you want to be one? We will discuss how the most marginalized women persevered to the very top of the investing spectrum. Whether you're making money moves or barely making money, listen up. I'm your host, Lee Chabelle, co-founder of BLXVC, an angel syndicate run by Black and Latinx women who are on a mission to represent ourselves and claim our seats on cap tables. Stay tuned. I'm so excited today. Our special guest is so important to me because she's who I call my sister-in-law affectionately. And she is a mother, she is an advocate, she's a community leader, she is a woman who walks in her truth. And I am so honored that she is also my sister in angel investing. And she is here to share her story today. Her name is Constance Slider Pierre. And we are so happy to have you. Welcome to the show. Oh my gosh. I am so happy to be here <laughs> with my sister. <laughs> doing this. This is like amazing. Like, this is amazing. As I was saying, like, this is so beautiful. It's so professional. It's We're stepping it up. It's gorgeous. All the way up. And it's exciting to be here on the precipice of this new beginning. Right. For you. I know. For us. For us. Um, we're, we, we're, for us. We're doing this together. So, yeah. Happy and honored to be here, my baby sister. So Constance and I go way back to at least the last five, 12, 15 years. Mm -hmm. And she married a good man, a good man. Here's my brother. And not only that, she has 
Really? I remember I was talking to her husband is in finance. And I was talking to him about deals and money making. And Carla mm-hmm. said, what about me? Why are you leaving me behind in this? Yeah. You know? And I was like, you know what? She called me out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you're right. Like, I need to talk to my sister about deal making mm-hmm. and deals. And she's like, I'm going to get in this game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've been doing something. And I was just so impressed by how you show up and how you activate and how you motivate. Mm-hmm. But, like... You called me out. Yeah, because you know I'm feisty. I mean, that's what I do for a living. I'm an organizer. So, you know, good trouble. That's my name. Make good trouble. And yes. I mean, finance resonates with me. You know, we've talked about that a lot. Some people are afraid of it. Some people don't understand money. Yeah. Some people, you know, so they don't like to have those conversations. My experience growing up was very different. So we talked about money. And... So when you guys are having money talks, I'm like, well, hey, wait a minute. I have something to say. You know, I understand a little bit about money. Right. Uh, Even though I graduated not in finance and I'm not in a creative spirit and I am not an investment baker like my husband, I, I too have something to offer to the conversation. So yeah, you have a whole lot to offer. So why don't we talk a little bit about your background? You know, your upbringing in Sac Town, Sacramento, California. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah. I'm from Oak Park. Yes. Oak Park, which is the hood in Sacramento. And yeah, I grew up with two parents, Elmo and Velma, who, you know, were pretty brilliant folks who like old parents. I mean, 1930, mm. 1929 was when they were born. And just different kind of values. And I really feel like my parents were so powerful and fundamental in me being the person that I am and seeing things the way that I see like money. It was something that I understood from the perspective of my mother, who after my father, mother and father broke up, you know, I grew up with my mom, one of four children, the youngest of four children with a single mom who was struggling to make ends meet. Right. Right. And taught me how you make a dollar out of 15 cents and stretch money and do those practical things. And a father who was extremely savvy with wisdom around money as well, who said really interesting things like, it's not what you make, it's what you do with what you make. Like, what does that mean? That means it doesn't matter. And my mom exemplified that, right? She had little, but she did a lot. My dad had little. And they did a lot. And they talked a bit about how you make money grow Mm. and what it is to be fiscally responsible. Mm. Those were kind of everyday conversations, as well as world politics. It was really an interesting growing up period. (laughs) So your brother, Elmo, who became a Stanford professor. Well, he actually went to Stanford and he became Mm. a professor and worked at Sacramento State University mm-hmm. and retired from there. So, yeah. He, you know, taught for over 30 years. And what topic? He was a history professor. Mm. And that probably was part of what drew me to the understanding of Black culture and history and oppression and led me down a path of what I do now, like the advocacy to make history right to move us in a direction of equity inclusion you know 
There was a difference between history that I got at the school and history I got from Elmo. Mm, mm. So that sets you on a different path when you kind of grow up understanding and knowing your history in a different way than where it's being taught. It also teaches you that establishment will lie to you. Lies. <laughs> Lies. I call no. it like the miseducation. <laughs> the miseducation, right? <laughs> okay, so that's okay. Yeah. These are the missing parts, baby. So <laughs> while you had a father who went to one of the best universities, wow. you know, mm-hmm. you went home with your mother and your siblings. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Actually, you know, yeah, my mom and dad were to get when I was born, my dad was at Stanford University. My mom was living in Sacramento, raising it's about three two kids. and a half hours away. Three hours. <laughs> raising three kids with a belly, which was me as my dad was getting his degree. So, yes, mm. that. So, and it's also interesting, you know, because the economics of what it means to understand that economically how much wealth is lost when families that are together break apart Mm. my mom and my siblings women take their children Mm. and raise their children right 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 that was my mom's reality and as a mom who has a child and you can relate to this too the raising of children is a job it is the job and while we're tending to that we're often not able to contribute to households in the same way. Right. We're often not able to take the advancements that we would normally be able to take if we didn't have to get home to make dinners and do those things, right? That we right. could stay up. That comes with male privilege. Absolutely. Absolutely. And let's talk about your career because you have been all over mm-hmm. doing amazing things. Taking a break, coming back, yeah. restart, reshift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I relate it to my mom's story in my story, right? Having a baby and, you know, leaving. I left Sacramento and moved to the Bay Area. But, I mean, I started out thinking I was going to be in broadcast and electronic communications. Right. And ended up finding my passion and my life's work in policy and advocacy. And which is what I do now. And I work on energy policy and I really enjoy like energy and telecom policy. But I enjoy digging into how we can make some structural changes using policy, particularly as it affects black and brown people. It's just my passion. So let's talk about when our utility bills goes up. Mm-hmm. What impact does that have on community? You know, one, the utility bills are going to go up more <laughs> and faster for people who are you know, poor, because we often live in just houses that aren't properly insulated. (laughs) So, I mean, basic things that are infrastructure things, it's the quality of our housing stock Mm. and who's living in there. Our energy bills are going to go up disproportionately if you have lower income and you're being, you know, obviously against someone who has a higher income. So the impact on that and whether or not you can buy groceries or what we call, you know, eat or heat. Mm. Those issues are real to people in our community. Those issues are impactful. In order to have value and live your potential in life, there's basic things that everyone needs. And so I've built my career around trying to make sure that everybody has access to those basic things. And housing is one of them. So I've spent, you know, over 15, between 15 and 20 years in the space of housing, trying to make sure that everyone has housing 
that housing is a right. Right. And that not only do you have housing, but you have housing that is decent and that it's affordable. Right. And safe. Right. And the communities that are safe. These are structural issues that plague our communities, black and brown communities disproportionately because the structures that have been created them to create this inequity. And so we have to try and untie those structures. And that's what I love about doing this work with you because it's another way in which mm. I can begin to untie some of those right. structures through capital. Right, so let's talk about your wealth journey. You know, um, the focus of this show is angel investing where we know you have to be accredited to be an angel investing. You have to have a certain net worth to be an angel. And so essentially you have arrived because you are at a net worth of more than 98% of Americans, essentially, because it is it's startling. Um, how did you embrace your money habits and your wealth mindset? Well, I think for me, I recognize money as power, but not in the way that people sometimes think about, not the glitzy part of that, but mm. a vehicle to move, you know, a different agenda. Like I said, I kind of juxtapose it with my activism work. Money is something to be used, manipulated to serve you best. Mm. So those are the conversations that I grew up having. And so for me, I always think about, how to like expand that money and navigate it in a new way. I benefited from the education of my parents, but I also benefited from good savings practices, mm. practical, you know, investments. And um and then listening to very wise people. I have a brother who, you know, was the person who actually was really the person who invested. And some of the things he told me to invest in, like I was 25 years old, he's like, buy this stock. And I bought it. And some of it I still have. And it's been really amazing. And like, we didn't have a lot of money, but my brother was just this guy who was really forward thinking. He's like, read this book, sis. And that was, what is it? Rich dad, poor dad. And I was like a really young person. And he's like, oh, these are the conversations we want to continue to have. There's a reason why. And so my journey has always been to make sure that I could be in places of power to influence change. And money has power. So my goal was to be able to leverage that. And bringing me to this table has allowed me to do that in a different way, particularly investing with women of color. Right. Right. So let's talk about your angel investing journey. How did you get in the game? What did you do? How did you get started? Well, I got in the game because my sister... <laughs> <laughs> My brilliant, fabulous, amazing, you know, sister was like, um, okay, well, hey, I guess I told you, hey, stop ignoring me. And you're like, okay, well, do this. Come with me. Let's talk. And, you, and we started talking about angel investing. Mm. And you introduced me to Pipeline Angels and said, they have a great boot camp. You should try it. I think this would be good. And I did that boot camp. And it taught me a bunch of stuff that I had no idea about because I didn't come from that world of finance. Right. Like this is a different, this is, this is private equity. <laughs> I'd right. never heard of that before. I mean, I'd heard of it because I live with an investment maker, but it's not, I hadn't paid no any attention to it. And then understanding that, you know, oh, this is an opportunity for me 
to leverage my money to expand opportunities um, with women and women of color who have great ideas. Right. And that was really exciting to me. That felt like advocacy. Right. And make money while doing it. Right. Right. Leverage the opportunity to expand my wealth. I could do that. Sounds like a no-brainer. I can do that. So let's talk about the investments that you've made. Yeah. Okay. So my first investment was in 2019, shortly after boot camp. And that was in a company curated by Kai. Kai Frazier is a young entrepreneur who is has an incredible story and makes affordable VC sets to be used in the classroom for children to take them on places that they may not otherwise be able to go based on their geography. We wrote to augmented reality type of Yes. So her VC headsets, I mean, she didn't create the VC headset, but she's created it so that it could be accessible and affordable Mm. to low income communities and communities of color. Mm. She's a teacher trying to solve for an issue that her kids in the classroom in D.C. had never seen the monuments. Right. She also had a background in art, and so she was able to bring the African American Museum to children who otherwise would not be able to see it. I mean, and that's for children. That could be not just in this country, but all over the world. Right. To offer that exposure. To be able to offer that understanding and exposure. I love it. I love it. What is your next investment? Um, yeah, the next investment was Hannah Naturals. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Hannah Diop. Yes. That's you and I together. That's I know. our first deal together. We're on the cap table with Issa Rae. Yes. Santa Naturals is a hair care brand created and developed by a brilliant founder, Hannah Diop and is co-founded by Issa Rae. And their brand is solving for providing a real health-based hair care product for hair, not for styling. And just Hannah has a beautiful story about her journey towards skin health that led to her journey towards this healthy hair care line. And... It's a fabulous product, and I'm excited to be on the cap table with you and Issa, right. the co-founder. Exactly. Um, yeah. And she's in Target and Nordstrom now. Yes. Doing well. Doing very she well. She wants to be the face of clean, clean hair care. Yeah. So really excited about the work that Hannah's doing. Yeah. And then you, you have some more investments under your belt. I do. After that was Relavo, and Relavo is a collection of brilliant founders, these amazing young women who are solving for an issue in dialysis, at least for people who are having home hemodialysis, which is an option for folks that need uh, to, to be dialysized, but it's also been a very dangerous option because of the potential for infection. And they're trying to solve that so that folks can have that as a viable option, who need that type of care, which gives you an incredible amount more uh, flexibility in your schedule and the freedom back. 
I related to it because I had a mom who used to have hemodialysis and what an infection would mean for her and her health. And so brilliant women creating, um, solving for a medical issue that is going to impact a lot of people. Right, right. And then the last one we actually just closed on uh, with BLXVC called Health in Her Hue. And this one essentially aims to target the issue that healthcare has failed black women. Yeah. It's, it's failing black women at alarming rates. We still have the highest maternal death rates yeah. than any other race. You know, we go into offices where we aren't listened to, yeah. are concerned, our needs aren't being met. And we're typically underinsured and don't have the coverage and may stay away because we're at the fear of the cost of healthcare. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really glad that you yeah. signed on with that one. Yes. Ashley and Edwina are amazing, amazing, amazing yeah. women. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited about that too. I mean, I, you know, if you're a black woman, this is likely been your experience, one that has not been significantly mm. positive around health and health care. And if you're a black person, <laughs> right. so yeah, it was a no brainer. And the, the, you know, the statistics of how we get care that show that when we care for ourselves, our outcomes improve. Right. 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 Um, so a network and a database that allows us to connect with one another, to leverage you know, what's happening in one state if you're looking for a professional because you have an issue, where might you go to find one that is a person of color? Right. Whether it's gastroenterology or, you know, endocrinology. And I think that it's just a no-brainer and it includes incredible things like doulas and other types of care that are, you know, more homeopathic. It's important. We need that in our community. So you've named quite a few causes, mm -hmm. right, of movements that you are really fueling with investment. Why is it important to make these investments as a Black woman? What is really the power in the work that you're doing? You know, the power is I have the, the power to speak with my dollar on what the future looks like for my daughter. Right. That's the power. And my granddaughter and my granddaughter's daughter. Right. I have the power to do that. And angel investing is a vehicle for me to express that power. Right. And then I get to do it with friends and family. It's better with friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we've come a mighty long way. We are adults grown with child. <laughs> Mothering and othering. And it's been a journey. And so can you share a little bit about some wisdom you would provide to others who are on their wealth journey? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Think about your values and the impact that you want to make in life. Pay attention to your values and where you want to be in life. Find people who can mentor you. Find people that are doing things that are interesting and out of your comfort zone. And be kind to yourself <laughs> on the road and the journey to doing this. 
there's steps along the way and learn as much as you can so that you can do this work and do it in a way in which represents not only a way to build wealth, but to live your values. Great. Constance Slider-Pierre, it's been a pleasure and honor to have you on my show to talk about your journey, which is, I feel, a shared journey in angel investing and sharing your knowledge and your tidbits and inspiring mm -hmm. the next generation of angel investings and inspiring mm -hmm. the next level of advocators, policy makers, yeah. change makers, way makers, all of that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's I love been you. A pleasure. I love you more. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to the show. Please subscribe, tell a friend, check us out, let the world know. You can find out more information about this podcast at LeeChabelle.com. And remember, be an angel, invest. <laughs>